Good morning, and welcome to CAG Radio, presented by CAG Media, an affiliate of Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is showcasing tomorrow's art giants today. CAG Media has two purposes. First is to share art business ideas, and secondly, to introduce artists to the buying public. You can listen to previously recorded shows on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio by typing in CAG Media. Or you can visit our website at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and just click on the Media tab. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is always looking for exceptional new artists. And if it describes you, visit us online to learn how to submit your artwork for consideration. If you are interested in purchasing art, please visit us online at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. You are listening to our ongoing series, The Business of Art, with artist and poet Sharon Bell Hawkshaw. Each week, Sharon explores the business aspects behind the beautiful artwork that artists create and ultimately sell. And now, here she is, Sharon Bell Hawkshaw. Good morning, and you're listening to The Business of Art, sponsored by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. My name is Sharon Bell Hawkshaw, and today is part two of Pricing Your Artwork. Now, last week we didn't go over a lot of information, but it was important information and time-consuming information. And it required a lot of thought, market research, and mathematical calculations, and probably some deep consideration of what you think your artwork is worth. So before we get started today with pricing tips, I wanted to just go back and just recap briefly what we had discussed last week. Now, I think the most important thing that you need to understand is the time and overhead pricing. Most artists don't get this, and it's very important. So to recalculate how you come up with your time and overhead pricing, you're going to take your total business expenses for the year, and that's the dues, uh, to art organizations, any education that you've um, that you uh, give yourself, uh, utilities of your art of your studio, um, the studio cost if you have a studio, um, if you have a room in your house that's designated as just that your studio, what that percentage square footage is, and whatever rent or mortgage you pay, you're going to do a mathematical calculation and determine how much that is, how much that costs per month or per year. Um, publications that you purchase, um, postage, anything that has to do with the overhead, the overall running of your business, this is your overhead. So you're going to figure out what that number is. You're going to divide that by 12, and that's going to give you your monthly amount. So let's assume that your overhead is $4,200 per year. If you divide that by 12, that's $350 per month. The next step, you're going to determine how many pieces you complete in a month on average. So if you calculate that on average you do approximately five paintings a month, then that's your number. Then you're going to divide the number of pieces you complete in a month by the monthly overhead. So that's going to be $350 divided by 5, and that's $70 per price, per piece. That's your overhead cost. So now you're going to determine what your labor costs are. 
And in order to do that, you're going to ask yourself, how many hours does it take you on average to complete a piece of artwork? And then you're going to determine what is your hourly rate. Well, I believe that a good price to start if you're um, new to the art business, a good hourly rate is probably $15 an hour. You can adjust this according to where you are in the country. Uh, New York, California, the Chicago, these are more expensive areas, so your hourly rate is probably going to be higher. Other areas of the country where your economic conditions aren't, so, uh, aren't as well as in these areas, uh, you're going to probably reduce that. But let's just stay with the number of 15. So let's assume that it takes 17 hours on average to complete a piece of artwork, and 17 times 15 is $255. That is your labor cost. So now you're going to add your overhead cost, which is $70, and your labor cost, which is $255, and that gives you a subtotal of $325. Now, step six is you're going to add 10% profit margin on that subtotal. So 10% of $325 is actually $32.50, but for our purpose, let's just make it around $33. So your subtotal is now $358. Step seven is you're going to add 100% commission. So 358 times two, that's $716 for retail price. Now, if this is a small painting, maybe $716 is too expensive, but maybe it's not. This is where your market value pricing comes in. Your market value pricing is what is an, the average artwork for an artist of your speciality. What, are the, what is the average cost of their artwork? And then you determine if their pricing is higher or lower than yours. And then that way you can determine if you're pricing yourself out of the market or if you're pricing yourself too far under the market or are you right on the nose. So you really need to use a, a comparison of both. So there you go, a quick little recap of last week. Let's move on to this week. And I really would like to start with giving you some pricing tips. So pricing tip number one. When you have an exhibit, always have at least one piece priced high above the others, perhaps twice the price of the next highest piece. Perhaps you don't want to sell this piece as it's your favorite, though this is the piece that often sells first. And let me tell you, folks, this is so true. All the time, the pieces that I refuse to sell, that I don't want to sell, those are the pieces that everybody wants to buy. So I typically take a piece that I truly, truly love, and I put that uh, two or three times higher in price than everything else um, that is showing. And I guarantee you that that piece is always the first one or near the first one to go. And that's because the public perceives that a higher-priced item has more value. It may not have more value, but that's how they perceive it. Pricing tip number two. People expect a small work to be priced less than a large one. Though this does not make sense to some artists, and miniatures are, very, are much more time-consuming to produce than large pieces, this is the psychology of the general public. So if you can't get that price, $716, for a 4x6, and in most areas, you probably are not going to get that $716 for a small piece. Then my suggestion is you do prints of those small pieces, and then that way you can sell them at $75, $125, and you can make your money that way. And paint larger pieces, and then sell the larger pieces for $716, $800, $1,000. So 
You know, you do you need to do what you need to do in order to make things work, but you can't get around what the psychology of your audience is. And the psychology of your audience is unless you have some kind of um, notoriety or you're, you're already famous, $716 for a small piece of artwork is just not going to fly. All right then, tip number three. The price that you charge from your studio and the price your dealer sells for must be the same. You get to keep the commission when you sell a piece from your studio. Some collectors mistakenly expect your studio price to be 50% less, but it never should be. And I agree with that. I'm th- I think that really selling from your studio, they should get a little discount because there is an extreme markup in the gallery. But I also believe that you shouldn't reduce your price 50%. I think that a, a decent compromise is 85% of whatever the gallery uh, price is. Tip number four, develop a long-term strategy connected with the pricing of your artwork. As you sell more, your prices will, of course, rise. Soon, your pricing will establish itself rising slowly, no more than about 10% a year. As your prices increase, have smaller works or prints available in the lower price range. Keep your work affordable to all your previous clients. Because remember, it was your previous clients that started your business, and you can never turn your back on them. So if they cannot afford the new original piece prices, make sure you have excellent reproductions of the new pieces in their price range. As I said in earlier uh, episodes, I always have a large variety of price points. So that way any person that comes in my purview is a potential client because I have something that meets their pocketbook. Price tip number four, or are we in number five? We're on number five. Price tip number five, studio inventory should always be at least 20 pieces. If you only have four pieces in stock, it might be because you're selling at a too low of a price or you just don't have enough to start business. As I said in earlier episodes, I always keep an inventory of at least 100, but typically closer to 125 and 150 pieces. And that's not even concluding my photography. That is just original artwork. You have to keep an inventory so that you have something for your client. Price tip number six. Always note the retail price on your price list. No net pricing. Net pricing is selling your work at a wholesale net price allowing your dealer to charge whatever he wishes at resale. This creates havoc in your pricing. Don't do it. Price tip number seven, your prices should not vary from state to state, perhaps by a slight amount, but nothing noticeable. Price tip number eight, don't undersell your work. You must feel comfortable with the prices you decide on, otherwise you will feel resentful. Price tip number nine, Never prepare a proposal or model of a piece for anyone unless you are being paid for it. This is customary for architects and interior designers, and as an artist, you need to make it customary too. Clients respect the artist more if this is done. Price tip number 10. Make sure your clients are aware that the price on the tag does not include sales tax, packing, shipping, and possibly framing. And the final price tip, know your prices. When you have studied the market and know the various factors of costing a product, you will have more confidence when someone questions a price. Okay, let's move on to the discounting policy. 
Did you know that it is illegal to charge one customer a lower price than another customer on the same product? The Robinson-Patman Federal Act is designed to prevent unfair price discrimination. There are ways around this policy, however. Discount second pieces. Discount for cash payment versus credit card, monthly installment plan, etc. Discount with cash in hand, usually 2%. In all other cases, i.e. check, credit card, money order, the full retail price is paid. If you are in the business of art, you must look at your career with a broad overview. Look ahead at least 20 years. Potential clients want to know you will be around for a while. Then they will be willing to pay more for your work. Many artists overlook the area of documenting their work. They don't realize how important documentation is. It does take time and a bit of money to document your work. What happens when you're 65 and a big publisher wants to do a book on you? If you haven't kept track of your paintings to whom they have been sold, you will have only current work for the book. For this reason and others, you need to keep an accurate record of all completed works throughout your career. When you sell a piece, you want to keep track of the name and address of your new client. In the future, when you are ready for a retrospective, you will know where to go to find your important pieces. If a client in turn sells, donates, gives away your piece, you want to be informed. Save your sketches and minor works, especially those that have developed into major works. These can be especially useful in a retrospective show. Once you have your artwork reproduced in the form of slides, transparencies, photos, you will catalog them, similarly to how a museum would do its collection. Your record should tell you date and title of artwork, inventory number, develop a code, year completed, month, and numbers such as 971103, which means March 11, 1997, when the work was completed and how long it took to complete. Who owns a particular piece? If a buyer sells, put the new owner's address in your files. Price you sold it for, as well as subsequent pieces. Who sold it? You, a gallery, a representative? Record what inspired the work, cost of materials, specifics of materials used, perhaps even where you purchased them, frame type, etc. All, all this information could help in the future for restoration projects. When you become known and museums start buying your work, this will help them immensely with their archives. So now we move on to signing your work. Your signature becomes your trademark and validates the authenticity of your piece. People will begin to recognize it when you become a collectible. Your signature will make it easier to decipher forgeries. You can sign a piece on the front or back. It's up to you. But be consistent with whichever you choose. So if you start signing on the front, continue to sign on the front. So here we move on to the next big question, titling your work. There are several reasons to give your work a title. For cataloging purposes, to give the viewer a particular intellectual or emotional connotation, to give a clue to some sub, you know, subtitle or mystery of the painting. People remember titles and associate back to them when referring to a work of art. All right. Well, we've done quite a bit today. We've recapped the time and overhead pricing and market value pricing methods. I've given you some pretty decent tips on pricing your artwork. We've discussed uh, discounting policies and about signing your artwork and, of course, titling your artwork. And I think that if I had to leave you with uh, any golden rule before we leave here today, 
it would be don't sell anything that you wouldn't want to have known as your work. And I can't think of a better way to end today's episode. So thank you for spending a few moments with me this Saturday morning. And I will speak with you and be with you again next Saturday. And keep creating. Bye. You have been listening to The Business of Art, presented by CAG Media, an affiliate of Contemporary Art Gallery Online. You can find The Business of Art radio show, along with the other media programs presented by CAG Media, on our website at www.contemporaryartgalleryonline.com, on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, and just type in CAG Media. Contemporary Art Gallery is always looking for exceptional new artists. This describes you. Visit us online to learn how to submit your artwork for consideration. If you're interested in purchasing art, please visit us at our website, contemporaryartgalleryonline.com. We'll see you next Saturday at 11 a.m. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful afternoon.